With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Raiders is a team that we don't care for. Something, something, Bronco. With Lori Lattimore Volkman, Jess Place, and Tim Lynch. Yes, my master. Get involved in the conversation at milehighreport.com. You are listening to Something Something Broncos with Lori Lattimore Volkman, Jess Place, and Tim Lynch. Uh, Today we are brought to you by Vic Fangio's Wine and Cheese Company. It's (laughs) Molto Buona. (laughs) Even in Italian. That means very good in Italian for those of you like me who don't speak Italian. So, okay, so we are talking about uh, Vic Fangio and how much we are falling in love with him so far. It is uh, it is the eve of June as we record this, and we all are in love with Vic Fangio. Tim, would you like to sing your first sonnet uh, <laughs> to Vic? Your first power ballad? I just love everything everybody's saying about him. You know, whether it's Chris Harris Jr. this week when he came back to the team signing his one-year deal. I think my favorite quote of his, mostly because it's a shot at the previous regime. He had conversations with Von Miller about the defense. The exact quote was, he was really explaining to me about the defensive scheme and everything that we're doing and how this is everything that I've been kind of crying about doing. (laughs) I like it. I love it so far. I think it's going to fit us well. What that told me was Chris Harris Jr. is this is one of those special kind of players who just gets it. He gets defensive schemes. He gets he gets the coaching side of it. And the greatest players, you know, from Peyton Manning uh, to Chris Harris Jr. to a, to all the greats, they they kind of get the coaching side of it. They get the scheme. They get what works, what doesn't work. And if he was bitching about the things they were doing last year or the year before it's because he freaking knew that offensives had adjusted to what they had been doing and so that he's excited about it tells me i'm excited about it i love it all the players are just singing praises about vic fangio even peyton manning singing praises so it just makes me more excited about what we're going to see from the defense the talent's there the talent has been there and it's the scheme that has been letting him down. Well, what did Peyton Manning say? I, I, as I kind of bait you into explaining our sponsor this week. He spoke a lot about how Vic Fangio is all football. He's a grinder. He, you know, he works hard. No nonsense on the field. You know, OTAs are like training camp. When Manning was in his second year with the Colts, Fangio came on as the defensive coordinator under Jim Mora at the Colts. So he was there for three years with Peyton Manning. The first year when Peyton Manning was at the Colts, the team went 3-13. and 13. And when Fangio came, the next year's the defensive coordinator, the team went 13-3. and three. And we always look at how the offense was amazing, you know, and that was kind of the beginning of the Peyton Manning. 
But Manning talked about how a big part of the turnaround with the Colts that year was the defense because the defense got a lot tougher and that took a lot of pressure off the offense and that allowed the offense to breathe a little. He credited Vic Fangio's defense with being a really big part of the whole team's improvement that year and particularly his improvement and he said Fangio wanted to win every practice it wasn't just about having a good practice and going in with a game plan to try to win it was winning practice and the defense beating the offense we also forget a little bit Manning Manning can be a whiner (laughs) so if he's if he doesn't get what he wants he lets you know and he didn't like the fact that the defense was really putting it to him one day and they didn't you know they don't have refs out on the field during practice so they were holding a bunch and Manning was complaining about it and and whining that there was a lot of um a lot of holding by the defense and so the next day he opened up his locker and there was a plate of wine and cheese in his locker and he said he knows Vic Fangio was the one who put it there, even though Fangio never said anything about it. You know Peyton Manning responded with that motherfucker, and then he went out and just freaking and then he shredded, probably... shredded his defense that, that in practice. You just know Peyton Manning was on fire that whole week. Manning recognizes that Vic Fangio has a very competitive spirit, and... It's it's 100% go all the time. And I think that's going to be really good for this team because we definitely got complacent after the Super Bowl. We really lost kind of a focus in the last three years and particularly the last two years under Vance Joseph. And so a coach will come in and kind of whip everybody into shape and not take any grief from anyone. You're on time to meetings and you come to every practice and you you need to go home and study and you need to know your assignment because he does film study with the whole team and he calls out bad plays and missed calls and missed assignments in front of the whole team. And more than one player has noted that they they don't want to be the guy getting called out in front of everybody. So, you know, they're kind of on their toes a little more to really perform. He's just changing the culture and that's what Tim's talking about. Those players are excited because... They, they like having a coach who's, who's organized and prepared and making them prepared. Wolf said this week that he's falling in love with that defense. Um, it's, it, the last time he felt this way about something was when Wade took over the defense in 2015. Um, and in, in terms of Fangio, for him personally, he felt like he was born to play in his base defense. Um, and it's all about misdirection, you know, forcing the offense to react to the defense instead of the defense reacting to the offense is one of the things that stuck out to me when he was talking to the media, um, I think it was on Thursday or Wednesday. Um, and with the chemistry that he has with Von Miller, um, it just he just feels like he's going to be able to open up so many different things along the defensive line for the defense to make the big play and that's really what wolf is all about he he's never been a guy that was like oh i need to get sacks i need to get my name out there he's just that he's like the the wheel that turns you know <laughs> it's not he doesn't want to stand out he just wants to do a job that that helps 
other guys, other skill position players to, to make the impact on the field. And to have a guy in the middle like that that can really create those opportunities for defense is going to be huge. And I think if, if they're successful in doing this, and, and what a lot of people don't understand is, is that if the Broncos defense returns to a top three, top tier defense, they're going to be really good. They're going to come out of nowhere, basically, from a 5-11, and 6-10 and 10 team that nobody is really thinking is going to play well. Uh, Vegas has them winning seven games. Nobody really thinks they're going to compete at all. But if Fangio brings the defense back to 2015 form, they're going to win a lot of games. I don't care who you are. They're going to just wear you down. And all Flacco is going to have to do is put up enough points to win. I love that Fangio's our coach. Like every story that comes out about him is just makes me more happy that he's head coach of the Broncos right now. But you know, when he takes a knee in the playoffs this year and and we lose, I'll you know I'll hate him. So it'll be all good. <laughs> Such a Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> I, I just liked. Everything I've heard so far, it's early. You know, Scotty would say, I hate this time. It's May. I hate it. <laughs> I, I get excited just like everybody else on this podcast. I, I, you know, and I try, I try to think back to what this time when Vance Joseph was in charge. And it's like, wait, weren't we all like super excited then? Like what were, is, are, are we, are we walking those same footsteps that we did? Was, wasn't it all positive at that point? Like I, I talked through gritted teeth, Tim, go ahead. <laughs> Not in 2018. No, you're talking 2017 by yeah. 2018. We were like, fuck. <laughs> we have another year of this. Shit. I think by 2018, I know I was like, okay, <laughs> let's let's give him his another shot. Maybe learn something. I mean, I I was hesitant, but I was I was more optimistic than most. Making the case for stability over talent, we're like, well, we've got stability. That's what we've got. That's great. Like, you know, you know when you when you are when you are excited about stability, you are completely fucked, as Tim says. Like. You're right. Yeah, last year, absolutely. Like we we all knew it was a disaster in the making. But two uh, years ago, now, like two years ago, everybody was like, "Really, this excited. can happen. Amazing. This can work." It makes me very nervous. Like, I mean, I'm very excited. I'm very excited, but I, at the same time, it's like I, you know, this this metamorphosis that every Bronco fan does every off season. Like, oh, we're terrible. Like, I mean, I wrote an article just like our Broncos fans losing faith in the Broncos. You know, just just a few months ago, and all of a sudden now, I'm like, well, ten wins is is very doable. It's very <laughs> we can get ten. And it's like, what happened? Am I just following the the, the metamorphosis narrative that that uh, the Denver Broncos want to put out there? I, and because I am I am buying, I'm eating it hook, line, and sinker. Like let's go! Like I can't wait. Let's go! Yeah. <laughs> we all do that, but part of it is legit because you get excited about the coach, you know, when you hear good things initially. It's, it's blind optimism, but then Jeffrey Estre and Joe Rouse have been doing film studies, and so we've been seeing how this defense has worked for the Bears and how it could use some of our our players, you know, 
will fit in and it's going to be great. And we hear players talking about how much, how practice is a lot different. And we hear players talking about the scheme. And so like, it's legit, I think, to get excited when you hear them being excited. Derek Wolf was exactly right. Because I remember when everybody was excited when Kubiak came back and and Wade Phillips was the defensive coordinator. And I remember those press conferences, specifically people talking about how fun that defense was going to be because it was aggressive and fast and it was going to... You know, it was going to be able to use a lot of their ability to really kind of be game wreckers. And that's exactly what it was. That genuine excitement, I think, is you can hear that same thing now from the players. We'll see how it turns out. But I don't think it's a bad thing to be optimistic right now because the players are genuinely excited about what the changes are going to be. Yeah, Jess, it's more like 2015, not 2016. Uh, okay, all right. So I have pulled up the Mile High Report archives for May of 2017. Oh, and, no, and, no, don't. Yeah, do oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Go to 2015. Devontae Booker likes the running back role in the new offense. Uh, unfortunately, Bronco fans would later come to find out that they didn't like uh, Devontae Booker's role <laughs> in the offense. Um busy, though, man. Chris Harris Jr. in the Broncos' defense isn't making life easy for the offense in OTAs. No, that was the offense making life not easy for the offense. (laughs) Trevor Simeon, baby. Yeah, and then, uh, let's see, uh, Broncos player Snapchat's footage showing an erratic and inconsistent Paxton Lynch in OTA practice. This is Tim's opus of May 2017, written by Tim. Are the Denver Broncos on the decline? (laughs) I was right. So maybe I, maybe okay, so I will walk back my comments. Okay, I thought at this point in 2017, and mind you, all those, all those articles came over a three-day period. So I guess, I guess we were starting to panic already. Uh, <laughs> because we'd seen the Snapchat video. We're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> maybe Paxton so, Lynch isn't good. So, so here's the difference, I think, between 2017 and 2019. When... The Broncos fired Vance Joseph and hired Vic Fangio. I felt cautious optimism. I was like, okay, they got somebody to come in and stabilize the franchise. He has a great record with the defense. They got Mike Munchak. They, every, every hire they made, it was like, okay, this is an improvement. So it, it's a cautious optimism. But then they went and went into free agency and, and nailed it. They, they got two guys on the secondary that will definitely improve the secondary, which was kind of fell off the wagon there in 2018. They got a right tackle, uh, that a young right tackle that'll thrive under Mike Munchak. Um, Mike Munchak will theoretically help everybody along the offensive line. So now you're looking at an offensive line that's going to be a strength than that's been a weakness for several years. And then they go into the draft. They get good players in the first three rounds. They got Noah Fant in the first round. They got uh, Dalton Risner, who's going to help the offensive line there. And then they got Drew Locke, third pick in the draft, uh, in their draft class. Drew Locke, who was being mocked at number 10 everywhere. So, in my opinion, they they just nailed every draft pick. And I wrote a post uh, from ESPN Insider that they graded every team's offseason. And the top grade that he gave, the only A, was to the Indianapolis Colts. And then the second best grade and the only B plus went to the Denver Broncos. So 
when you when you look at homerism and is this team actually better you got to also look at what other people are saying around the nfl that aren't broncos fans and the broncos have done everything that they could to improve in 2019 and i think it's going to translate to an actual 10 plus win season and they're going to surprise a lot of people as long as there's not injuries obviously if von miller goes down week one we're fucked <laughs> but well, i noticed one thing though tim in your little rundown of the offseason missing Missing from it is the acquisition of one Joseph Flacco, who Adam Schefter called the greatest free agent acquisition of the offseason. So, name one person who would rather have anybody like Case Keenum over Joe Flacco. I mean, I'm just saying, people Joe Flacco's a meme, but at the same time, look what's out there. Would you rather have anybody else quarterback in the Broncos in 2019? Jake Plummer. Jake Plummer. <laughs> he hasn't played football in ten years. Jake Cutler. <laughs> no, stop. Like they should just bring him in and then just be like, "Not nah, just kidding, you're cut." Nah, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, just... Okay, so to kind of end this, end this show. What would you think after seeing every move the Broncos have made the offseason, the draft, and then the first three phases of minicamp? I mean, how are you feeling about the Broncos and? How many wins do you think they'll improve upon from their six-win campaign last year? And they were competitive last year. You know, I don't, I don't want to say, like, 2017 was a disaster. But in 2018, they actually played with a lot more pride. They just came up short because, you know, Case Keenum couldn't hit a wide-open Demarius Thomas for the win against the Chiefs. Or Vance and, Joseph uh, couldn't figure out when you should go for a field goal and when you should go for <laughs> a touchdown. That, too. And, yeah. And then there's at least three there's the Jets there. game. Don't forget the Jets game there, Tim. I don't the Jets game. What the? F- that was uh, that was when the wheels came off. When everyone's we're like, oh, we can beat the Jets. <laughs> well, and then we you didn't. know, yeah, then they didn't. But you know, in my opinion, they should have beat the Chiefs at home. They should have beat the Texans at home, and frankly, they should have beat the Browns at home. So that's three wins that they should have had last year. That's nine wins they should have had. And two of those were coaching errors, and one of those was Case Keenum. So Exactly. Just like three different plays, and that's three wins. Exactly. Killed in the playoffs. Whatever. Hey, at least we're in the the dance, brother. (laughs) Hey, it it played out how it was supposed to. We We got the draft picks we were supposed to get. We didn't have to suffer the embarrassment uh, of, of a postseason. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's like all of those bad things that happened last year set us up to have Vic Fangio come in. And all of the great moves. Like Elway's, I think, I, th- I feel like he's finally figured out the draft. And that's that has me excited about the future. And... I feel like if they should have won nine games last year with two poor coaching errors and a bad quarterback pass, I mean, I feel like this team's going to win 10 games with the improvements they've made. Come on. I don't see how. 13 and 3, I, baby. 13 or, and 3. Hey. No more 10 and 6. You know, I don't know. I, I'll, I'll take 10 wins this year. <laughs> I don't, 13 and 3 feels a little Homer aggressive. Oh, that's why I'm saying it. I'm totally. They have the, they have the, <laughs> they have the second hardest schedule in the in the league. Um, I said uh, I said ten wins in our uh, schedule release show. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll stick with that. Sure. What did I say? Twelve? I can't remember. 
I think I went 12 and 4. You said remember. 16 and 0. <laughs> well, probably that too. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, like, in, I, in truth, I I agree with you. I think I think we've got 10 wins. I'm I'm looking at the schedule right now. So I, I see nine wins, and if we beat the Chiefs at home, we'll get to ten. So I got the at the Raiders is a win, um, at home against the Bears is a win, at the Packers, you know, whatever, a loss maybe. No, I could say everything's a win, but I'm just saying realistically, it's a toss up, right? No, that's a win. So, Three and zero. No, that's a win. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, you're a pleb. You're losing at home to the Buccaneers. Um, at home against the Jaguars, it's a win. So that's three and one for me. Um, at the Chargers, I'll say we'll drop a game at the Chargers. Home game for us. All right, four. Okay, we'll do four and one. At home against the Titans, five and one. At home against the Chiefs, six and one. Right, we're we're rolling high right now. <laughs> at the Colts, I'll say it's a loss at the Colts. Six. We and do two. not play well at the Colts. I I'd give that a loss too. Revenge week uh, against the Browns will win seven and two. At the Vikings, we'll say we'll lose uh, seven and three. At the Bills, we'll win eight and three. At home against the Chargers, nine and three. Uh, at the Texans, I'm gonna say loss. No, so nine and four. We'll beat them. Nine and four. Um, at the Chiefs, we'll lose nine and five. And then at home against the Lions and Raiders, we'll close out the season eleven and five. We, we don't usually beat Detroit though. So at home. Ever. What? It's true. Yeah. It's uh, okay. Broncos, Lions. I'm looking it up right now. I feel like we just get our ass beat at, like every time. Except maybe 2015. I bet we did beat them. We are. Dude, we beat them all the fucking time. We're 7 and 5 all time. <laughs> That's like almost 500. <laughs> <laughs> but. We beat them all the fucking time. At home, we've only lost once. Twice. 5 and 2 at home. So all of their wins come at home. But if they go to Detroit, it's an automatic loss. <laughs> yeah, well, we lost in, in 2010, right? Against, uh, 2011, yeah. Uh, 2011, yeah. Uh, and then, and then 2000, what, 2007, 2006, we, lo- we like lost huge. Yes, that was at both of those. So the only home game we lost was the Tim Tebow one. So we can't really count that because Tim Tebow, you know... All he does is win, Tim. Except when it's Detroit at home, I guess. (laughs) Peyton Manning beat Detroit in 2015 on the road, but I don't know. Whatever. We're winning that game, so just just, you be quiet, Jess. We're winning. It's a Saturday night game. We're winning at home. Matt Stafford, look out. Oh, no. Chris Harris Jr., look out. He's going to have a bruised sternum. (laughs) <laughs> by week 16 he's not gonna be playing come on let's be real <laughs> hearing that nfl films uh like hit from when he was a rookie and it, he's like here like he goes back and pass and there's like a rustle of like the microphone getting like jammed into his like into his scapula <laughs> and, and he's like oh, oh, oh. like you just kind of hear like this noise and it's like oh and he was and that was the play that like did him in for the like i can't believe that the nfl films like put it out there and it was played so often because it was just like horror. I was like, it just like sounds like a wreck. And then he just, Oh, by week six, by week 16, we're going to be facing Rodney Pete out there. So we'll be fine. Should I wrap us up yes, with the mystery do. question? Yes. Okay. I got to this in a kind of a roundabout way. 
because of the the wine and cheese and and the Fangio, the Italian thing. And so I was thinking of of, uh, of the great uh, Franco Harris, uh, Franco's Italian army. And uh, a lot of people don't know that uh, Franco Harris fin finished his career, Hall of Fame career, with another team. I know we touched on this a little bit with Lyle Alzado, uh, but uh, let's see uh, if we can kind of bounce around and come up with uh, famous, like, Hall of Fame, almost Hall of Famers. Like, they can almost be Hall of Famers like Lyle Alzado. Like, famous, famous is the litmus test. Players that ended up playing somewhere else. Franco Harris in 1984 finished his career with the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, a very forgettable year for him, I'm sure. Steve Allen. Uh, who finished with the, the Jets. Jets. Who else? Who else had notable careers that, that ended up somewhere like a, else? Like a Bronco? Or or just anybody. Any any famous Oh, Joe Montana. Player. Yeah, yeah. He helped the Chiefs. It was fun to watch. I didn't I didn't really cheer for the Chiefs. It was kind of fun to watch them be good under him. Hold on, Lori, I've got something for you here. Hold on. I will say Johnny Unitas, I believe he ended his career as a San Diego Charger. What about Marcus Allen? That's right. Chiefs. The Chiefs stint, too. With Joe Montana, of all people. DeMarcus Ware, Denver Broncos. There you go. They uh, should make an exception for him for the Ring of Fame, in my opinion. I think they should. I think they should. Incredible. Uh, Neil Smith. Neil Smith. Right. There you go. There's another one. The only <laughs> chief with a ring. Who's <laughs> <laughs> still right. alive? Yeah. Yeah. Is there anybody else we can think of famous? Jerry Rice. Yeah. Well, yeah. Tony Dorsett. Mm-hmm. Tony Dorsett. There you All go. Name Bronco right there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. A legendary Bronco, Tony Tony Dorsett. Probably. We can keep going and then just edit out the long pauses while we Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, let's let's leave it at what I we wouldn't know. do that to you, Lori. No. <laughs> no. All right, so that concludes uh, this week's episode of Something Something Broncos. I am just placed with Tim Lynch and Lori Lattimore Volkman. Thank you for listening. MileHighReport.com. Check it out. It's awesome. We all right there. It's good stuff. <laughs> You've been listening to Something Something Broncos, a feature of MileHighReport.com with Lori Lattimore Volk, Jess Place, and Tim Lynch. Get involved in the conversation at MileHighReport.com. A correction on the reporting of the foul. Both teams were on the both up. Uh, both fouls were on the kicking team. I am. Hold on. Um, you gotta see what just happened to me. The seconds before. This is this happened to me just seconds before. Got blown out by the Raiders last year. My cat. Oh my god! We have three conversations going on. Tim, are you even listening to Jess? <laughs> no, he's not listening to me. Is he talking? Yes. I can't hear him. I thought he was even, wasn't even connected. <laughs> I'm off talking over. I'm like, just shut up. I'm talking. I did remember to bring my big ass microphone. She she just broke it. Now we can't hear her. I know. Yeah. You, nope. We can't hear you. <laughs> you touched it. You broke it. <laughs> over. How could you, I was I would say something like 
you can't you seriously can't hear me and you'd say no i can't hear you because i could i was reading your lips yeah oh my god you're a good lip reader bob costas the bob. eye the all-seeing eye love him yeah I he's, sat, he's I sat next to him for an entire Mizzou basketball game. All these people kept passing their tickets down to him to sign to, for an autograph. And so I would pass the ticket to him. Signed every single one of them. He was so gracious. And I kept wanting to say something because I'm like, I'm sitting right next to his kid and then him. And I kept passing tickets to him to sign, but I never asked to sign because then I thought then I just felt ridiculous like barely I didn't talk to him the whole game and at the end I was just like Bob Costas I think you're great (laughs) (laughs) I always say the dumbest things to famous people co-worker but he's a big Cubs fan so he always goes to Chicago and he saw Jesse Jackson getting into a limo from like half a block away and he he told me that when he when he saw him he just started sprinting towards him He's calling out his name, Jesse Jackson, Jesse Jackson. And he's like trying to wave at him. Can I get your autograph? <laughs> and it's like, he said, you know, he got in his limo and drove away. But he was like, afterwards, I'm like, I don't understand why I did that. Because <laughs> I'm not a Democrat. <laughs> I don't even like that and guy. I, I don't even like the guy. I was like, I don't, I don't know, man. But that's a, that's a funny story. And I'm probably going to tell a lot of people about it. Because that's funny shit. <laughs> <laughs>